As you may have seen this morning, um, we are missing some people. Pastor Brent is away in the DR, and Pastor Adam is incredibly sick. So you guys are stuck with me. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So if you are new or visiting, my name is Jess. I am the Family Ministries Pastor here at Essex Gospel Community Church. And I have the privilege of leading all of our uh, children and student ministries, which is an incredible, incredible privilege to have. But it's also a big job, right? So it's a lot to oversee the discipleship and growth from babies into young adults. But the big and the amazing thing is, is that I'm not supposed to do it alone, right? We have people that help. So on Sunday mornings, I have a team that helps lead a lesson. We divide our kids into small groups, and we have classroom leaders that pours and invest into our students. And that's why I'm able to be here this morning, because we have an incredible group of people who are doing that. We have nursery workers who um, are wanting to participate in the lives of our babies and teach foundational truths we actually have curriculum in our nursery, and we repeat the same lesson for our kids. And River comes home singing, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty. So we have an incredible, incredible people helping lead in that. On Tuesdays and Wednesdays, we have a team of people who comes in every week, every Tuesday, every Wednesday, to lead some of our children from the community and our church into deeper, meaningful relationships with God. So it's a big job, but I have incredible people who lead alongside with me. So you might be asking yourself, is this a sermon or a call to volunteer? Right? The answer is both. So we're going to be asking ourselves a question this morning. And that is, what's our legacy? And that is a great question to be asking when we're thinking about what are we going to be leaving behind. So, I'm going to grab my Bible. When you begin to read the Bible, you can actually see that it fits together very, very well. I hope you know that. I'm assuming you know that. But if we're just kind of opening it in parts, we actually don't get the full understanding of what we're reading. But when we read it through from cover to cover, we get this amazing, amazing picture and story that follows through. And there's things that we can grasp and take in that teaches us what we should do and what we shouldn't do. So that's what we're gonna be doing today and uh, over the last few weeks in our senior high ministry, I've been really teaching about the importance of the word of God in our life, right? That this is something that we need, that we can't just hear it from other people, but that we need to be people of God's word. That I can teach and teach and teach and teach, but if you're not investing into the word of God, there is only so much you will learn. There is only so much you will grow. So these are things that I'm trying to give to our students to 
have them develop this understanding of how important it is, the Word of God. So we're going to be looking at three different books today. And you're going to be like, whoa, how am I going to follow along? This is insane. It is going to be a, like, you're going to have to try to follow along. We're going to be going through a lot, but I know that you can do this. A lot of these stories are things that you probably already have an understanding of. So we're going to start with the book of Exodus. Great book, great story about the Israelites leaving Egypt. Don't worry, I'm not going to read the entire book to you. We do not have enough time for that this morning. But the story of the Israelites is one that I think that sometimes we can relate to. Right? So the Israelites were persecuted in Egypt. And Moses, who was called by God to go and free the Israelites, went over and over and over to Pharaoh and asked if he could let his people go. And finally, he did. And through this, from their exodus out of Egypt, there are different situations that the Israelites faced and they had choices to make. And now we know the story. They did not always see the power that God had in situations. And they even doubted who God was many times. So I'm going to give you guys a few examples of that. The escape through the Red Sea. So Pharaoh lets his people go. And then he says, I don't think I made the right call. And so he goes after the Israelites. And when the Israelites see the Egyptians, they begin to panic. And this is what they say in Exodus 14, verse 10. They cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. That's pretty rough, right? And they were doubting the capabilities of the God they served. They had just witnessed that God said, yes, let my people go. And they witnessed that, and now they're still doubting who God is. In Exodus 14, verses 15 to 16, this is what God says. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff, raise your hand over the sea, divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. God came through. And not only did he come through in a small way, he parted the sea so they could walk through on dry ground. And then we go into the next section. Exodus 16, not too long after. Uh, Exodus 15, sorry, not too long after. They had just been traveling for three days. So the, the parting of the Red Sea had just taken place. Three days later, they're walking, and they could not find water. And finally, they find water, and they taste it. And it's bitter, too bitter to drink. And what do they choose to do? They complain. They don't believe that God will provide, even though he just did three days before. In Exodus 16, only a month after they departed from Egypt, 
the Israelites began to complain about food. So we're kind of seeing a pattern, right? They like to complain a lot. So in Exodus 16, verse 3, this is what the Israelites are saying. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. And once again, God comes through and he provides food. And not just, here's some food. Every day, he gives them food that comes down from heaven and it is enough for their day. And on the sixth day, he provides enough for two days so that they can have a day of rest. So through just three examples of the beginning of the book of Exodus, we see that God is a mighty and powerful God and that time and time again, the Israelites actually fail to see the mightiness of our Savior. And these things happened all really close together. It wasn't years spread apart. It was three days and then a month. Right? We can sometimes be a bit like the Israelites where when we face different challenges, when things are asked of us, that we can actually, instead of turn to prayer, we begin to complain. That we begin to shout out things like the Israelites did, where they're saying, you're going you're gonna to starve us. I'd rather be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. So if we keep reading through Exodus, you can actually keep seeing these types of stories take place. So now we're going to skip on to the Psalms. So we're going to be looking at the Psalms, which are written by David. Now, this is just like an aside note. If you've ever um, had the opportunity to, or if, I mean, if you've never had the opportunity to, but you would like to, this is a really cool Bible study to do, um, or devotional. It's actually to read the life of David as it corresponds with the Psalms. Because as he's walking through different situations, you can read his prayers out to God. Which is an amazing, amazing thing to see. And it's actually given me... Um, a bit more of like a, like a wow, an understanding of how godly of a man David was. And so that's just an aside note. If that is something you would like to do, it is an incredible study to do. So if you know anything about the life of David, you know that he went through many, many struggles. Many. Saul tried to kill him a bunch of times, okay? And if anyone has a right to complain, I think David does. And not only does Saul, the king, try to kill him, but later when David is king, his own son tries to kill him and take his place at the throne. But through his hardship, David prayed. He prayed and he worshipped God with all that he was. And the thing about David is this, he wasn't perfect. We actually see it through the story of David and Bathsheba. He made mistakes. He made choices that were not good. But the thing is, is that he knew the choices that he made were not great. And he knew that he sinned. 
And so he turned to God and asked for forgiveness, knowing that God would. He came to God broken, and God restored him. So it's not about being perfect. It's never, it never is. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. But David's character shines through in the verses that we read about him. So I'm going to read a bit of the Psalms. Psalms 51 verses 1 to 4 says, God, be merciful to me because of your faithful love. Because of your great compassion, erase all the wrongs I have done. Scrub away my guilt. Wash me clean from my sin. I know I have done wrong. I remember that sin all the time. I did what you said is wrong. You are the one I have sinned against. I say this so that people will know that I am wrong and you are right. What you decided is fair. That is David asking for forgiveness. In Psalms 59, 16 to 17, David writes, But as for me, I will sing about your power. Each morning I will sing with joy about your unfailing love. For you have been my refuge, a place of safety when I am in distress. Oh, my strength to you I sing praises. For you, are God, are my refuge, the God who shows unfailing love. Psalm 63, 1-5 says, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. These are things that David is saying as he's fleeing, as he's hiding in the wilderness, as he's scared for his life. He's saying that he will praise God through it. He will worship him and he will sing with joy. So through this, we see his character. There are many choices that David could have chosen, just like the Israelites. He could have complained through each of the situations he faced, but there was a maturity to David. There was an understanding of the God he served. He knew his God well because he spent his time worshiping and praising. He loved to be in his father's presence. Is that where we are at today? Do we love to be in the presence of our Father? Are we people who spend time worshiping and praying Him? So through the Israelites, we see people in the midst of trouble who complain and who blame. And then we see David, who in the midst of trouble, turned to prayer and worship. The thing is, church, we get to decide who we are. You have a choice about who you are. You get to choose that when you are faced with hardships, are you going to be someone who will turn and praise God and worship him through the situations? Will you sing with joy when things are not going well? 
Will you lift your hands and worship to God, stating your heart of what is taking place, but that through the midst of this, you will worship and praise him with all that you have? Or will you choose to complain and blame those around you because you're going through a hard time? We have a choice. Now, whether you like it or not, there are people watching us. There is a generation of young people who look to us to see Jesus. And they come to church every Sunday morning. They see you in the community when you are walking. They see your interactions with the cashier at Foodland. They see you and they hear you. I think often we can get stuck being like the Israelites because we forget who we serve. Sometimes our mind understands, but our heart doesn't yet believe. And we can get stuck in that understanding. So you will hear me say this often because I believe it's true. Our youth, our kids, our babies, they are not the generation of tomorrow. They have influence today. They are in their schools. They are in families. They have friends. They have teachers. They interact with people all the time. And we have the opportunity to invest in that. So what are we investing? Who are we showing the young people to believe in? Are we people who, when we face situations, we show this generation that we complain and blame? Or do we know who our God is? Do we believe and know who our God is and that we get to show them who it is we believe in? That when we need healing, that we pray and we believe in healing, and that is what we are leaving behind. Showing an understanding that we believe in the God we serve. So through our different ministries, we have people who ask questions. We have students and kids who ask questions, who face hardships, and who are the sole people investing in their peers. And we have the opportunity to influence that. We have the opportunity to influence people who are out in the community who are surrounded by people all the time we have the opportunity to show Jesus to kids whose parents are divorcing we have the opportunity to show Jesus to kids who don't think it's worth it anymore are we taking those opportunities do we remember the God we serve? So we're going to jump into Acts, which is my last point. So this is about to get good, okay? It's about to get good. And I may be overstepping Pastor Brent by going into the book of Acts, because I know he's been doing a sermon series on the book of Acts. But it was really too good not to share Right, so I'm kind of going to go back to something I said earlier where um, sometimes 
we can be like the Israelites, right? Because we kind of forget who we serve. And our minds and our hearts aren't aligned in what we believe. It's like our, our mind knows, but our heart doesn't quite believe. So I want to shed some light on the God that we serve. So just a little background on where we are going. Paul has just been shipwrecked. Doesn't sound like fun, but it's what happened to Paul. And he landed on the shore of the estate of a man named Publius. And Publius' father was ill. So that's where we start our verse. And that's found in Acts 28, verses 8 to 9. And this is what the verse states. As it happened, Publius' father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him. And laying his hands on him, he healed him. Then all the other people on the island came, sorry, all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. That is the God we serve today. That when we pray, healing takes place. That when we are looking for a God who provides, we are serving him. So that when we come with needs before our God, he provides. That when we mess up, that he forgives and he loves. And that he is a God who restores. So when Paul laid hands, people were healed. Do you believe that when we lay of hands, that our God heals? Do you believe that he provides, that he restores? When I first began my sermon, I stated that you may be asking yourself if this is a sermon or a call to volunteer. And that's why I said both. I will gladly take any volunteers who want to volunteer on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings, but that's not what I'm really looking for. I am looking for a team of people who will stand with me who will show this generation who our God is. I am looking for people to stand with me and teaching and living out who God is. We have people watching us. And every time you choose to interact with the younger generation, you have an opportunity to invest. Every conversation, every hello, everything we do is an opportunity. They hear you and they see you. And what are you leaving behind? What is your legacy? Do you want to be someone who will be like David, who believes and knows who their God is fully? that when we pray, things happen. Because I can tell you that yesterday, we prayed and things happened. A little girl is okay because we rallied together and we prayed. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the God we serve. He is mighty 
and he is loving and he is righteous and sovereign and when you are in need he comes through he may not give us what we want he may not provide the way we see fit but he does and so I am asking that we are people who know and who believe and understand our God. I am asking you to be people of the word of God who understand it, who read it, who have it part of your life so that you can invest and speak truth into a generation that is already influencing. I can't state enough what it is a privilege of what I get to do. I have the best job in the world. I really do. I love every Sunday morning going upstairs and teaching the kids and worshiping with them and seeing the light in their eyes when they ask a question. And you know what? They ask good questions. They ask deep questions. Sometimes we can think that, you know, it's just not our thing. I'm not asking you to dance. Although if you're really good, I will take you because I'm not that great. Um, but I'm asking you to show this generation who you believe in. Because I believe they need to hear it. And I don't have many opportunities twice a week to invest but if we're all working together as one team we will make a difference so let's stand together I want to pray over us as a church as a body that we are influencers in this generation and that we are ready to live out who God is God, we come to you today willing and wanting to have a deeper relationship with you, God. God, that we want opportunities to arise, to invest and love and teach and guide in this next generation, Jesus. God, they are influencers. They are part of their schools. They are part of their community of friends, of families, God. So God, I just pray that we are reaching them, that we are teaching them foundational truths that we teach them exactly who you are, God, that we show that you are a God who loves, who provides, who heals. God, that we know that that is our truth and that we are showing that to this generation, God, that when hardships arise, when the troubles we face happen in our lives, God, that we are people who turn to prayer and who turn to worship, who turn to you. that we are not like the Israelites, but that we know the God we serve, that we know exactly who you are, and God, that we remember the times that you have healed, that we remember the times that you have provided for us, and the times that you have shown us great and amazing love. So God, as one church, as one body, we pray this calling over our lives that we are ready, 
that we are wanting to invest and connect. So we pray for these opportunities to arise. We pray for moments of impactful conversations and discussions with our family. In your awesome name, Jesus, amen. Thank you, guys. You get to go home 10 minutes early today. <laughs> <laughs>